Hamis and I love muzzleloading. Today we're talking with Jake from the Everything Black Powder YouTube channel about his passion for muzzleloading and what his muzzleloading journey was like growing up in the American West, getting interested in muzzleloading, then kind of following his story through to making one of arguably the most popular muzzleloading and black powder YouTube channels. Well, my name is Jake Harris. Uh, Sometimes I go by Willard McBain on YouTube. And my YouTube channel is Everything Black Powder, where I do and deal with all things black powder. Jake, how did you get started in muzzleloading and, and black powder, really, in general? What was your what was your exposure to that? Well, I I know it's kind of cliche at this point, but uh, when I was a little kid, we had a VHS of the old Disney Davy Crockett's with Fess Parker. Oh man, that's awesome. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, I would watch that. And uh, apparently I was the only one that was into it because none of my brothers or cousins were into, interested in it at all. But I remember watching, you know, watching that and asking my dad, who's not really a firearms enthusiast, but I said, Hey, what kind of guns are these? And he says, you know, you really should go talk to your uncle Bob because he deals with that stuff. And I said, well, I'll do that. And so I walked down to my uncle's house and I said, what kind of guns do they have? And, and Davy Crockett, and he was big into muzzle loading and in particular flintlocks. And uh, about what year was this? Oh, I was probably 10, maybe 12, something like that. Uh, so what year would that have been? Oh, geez, I don't know. So mid nineties. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, something like that. Yeah, that's fine. I was just curious. So yeah. And he was happy to have somebody to tell all about it. And he showed me all of his flintlocks and how they work. And, uh, and so that was my introduction into muzzle loading and he showed me how to shoot them and all that stuff. And so when I was, I think I was 17, I bought a Pieta 1860 army. And I shot the pants off that thing. I shot it every day for years. And, you know, I broke it several times, you know, all kinds of, you know, handsprings, countless handsprings. I'd buy five at a time. (laughs) You're just burning through them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just, you know, and, you know, wonder wads. And and at the time I was using pyrodex because that was all... I could get, Mm -hmm. you know, you go to the the local sporting goods store and, you know, I need some black powder. Oh, sure. And they'd, you know, hand you a can of Pyrodex and you only had two choices, the the yellow one or the green one, you know, P or RS. And, you know, and I, I was big into cap and I still am, but I was really big into cap and ball pistols when I was in my, my late teens and twenties. And, you know, we'd go shooting my brothers and my cousins and I would go shooting and they'd have their, you know, semi-automatic you know, 1022s and Marlin 60s. And, but I'd have all my cap and ball pistols on me like a guerrilla raider from the civil war. <laughs> and so, so that's what I was into. And, uh, the first long gun I bought, I think I was probably 19 or 20, um, was a Lyman deer stalker. It was a flintlock in 50 caliber. Okay. And that was my introduction into flintlocks. Now, I shot flintlocks with my uncle, you know, and he had some pretty nice Petersolis and some custom-made ones. And, you know, beautiful, nice, nice-functioning firearms. And so I buy this Lyman, and I load it up with Pyrodex and immediately start struggling, you know, having oh. terrible hang fires yeah. and flashes in the pan. And it went on like that for a few months. And finally I thought, you know, maybe I've just been doing this wrong. I'm going to hang this whole flintlock thing up, you know, and you're pretty discouraged then. Oh, I was, I was extremely discouraged, you know, (laughs) it wasn't fun. So I went, 
I went back over to my uncle's house and I said, you know, look, I got this flintlock. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he looks it over and, you know, adjusts the flint and, you know, puts some powder out of a horn in the pan and it flashes off immediately every time. And he says, well, you know, it seems to be working fine. You know, what are you, what powder are you using? I said, well, I'm using this stuff called Pyrodex. And, oh, well, geez, there's your problem. <laughs> Everybody's so, heard know, that. He, yeah. So he gave me a big lecture about how, you know, you can't use that stuff. That's not any good, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I've been using it for a few years now. And I didn't know it didn't work well in flintlocks. You know, I was still, still learning a bunch of stuff. And this was, you know, kind of before YouTube. Well, not kind of, it was before YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He gave me uh, he gave me a powder horn with some real uh, black powder, some old DuPont black powder. Oh in it. wow! And yeah, and man, I I burned through that stuff in that flintlock in short order, and uh, then I had to order some real black powder. And so I hope that's not too long winded for how I got started in muzzle loading. No, not at all. <laughs> I I love hearing that, and it, it's the kind of thing that I think. I don't know. It's it's so nice to hear that another copy of those v, that VHS tape got somebody involved. Um, you know, for me, I, I I talked to a ton of people about that, and that comes up as definitely one of the top things. Um, and I'm fascinated by that. Just that that exp exposure to that story, that particular story, was enough to get you to to go down and ask your uncle. You know, do you think without your uncle, you would have gotten into it later on? Or do you think it was because your uncle was so close that you could just pick it up? Well, I probably would have gotten into it. Uh, another another uh, muzzleloading movie or something that was interested in, in muzzleloading was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I think it came out in 1990. But it's a, it's a version of Treasure Island that has... Um, Charlton Heston as Long John Silver and a very oh. young Christian Bale yeah, as, yeah, yeah. Uh, as Jim Hawkins. And I, and we had that on VHS. And I remember watching those guys shoot those brown besses and all that. And I thought, man, that, that looks really neat. You know, I got to get me one of those, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So maybe if Uncle Bubba wasn't around, I, I might have still got into it. But, you know, but he definitely, definitely nudged me in that direction. That's awesome. So what was it then for about those cap and ball revolvers that that kept you shooting like you said when when the, everybody else around you was shooting 1022s and and semi-auto stuff? Well, I I think I I like a challenge and those things can be a challenge. Yeah. And I remember spending days, you know, loading and firing those things, struggling to hit the target that I was shooting at at 25 yards. And it took me a long time before I got proficient at it. Okay. And I mean, I mean, a long time. And I, I worked at it. I, I wasn't born good at it. You know, it, it, it took a lot of practice. You're right. But uh, I, I think it was the, the, I think it was the challenge, you know, I yeah. mean, anyone could pick up a, a, a Ruger 1022 that sighted in remotely well and hit a target at 50, 70 yards, you know, repeatedly, yeah. which is, is great, you know, that they're made that way on purpose. But, you know, try that with a muzzle loader, you know, try that with a cap and ball pistol, you know, and then load it up and do it again. Yeah. You know? So I, I think I think it was the challenge that I that I enjoyed. And would you say that's what kept you interested with the flintlock side of things, even th through your struggles with Pyrodex? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And does that yeah, kind of, because, Oh, go ahead. I mean, even you, you've probably seen it too. You know, you hand a really nice, you know, flintlock to someone that's loaded up that, you know, it's someone who knows how to shoot well and they pull the trigger on that thing and flinch terribly. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I mean, it, it, it takes some, it takes some practice to shoot a flintlock, yeah. you know, it, I, it, again, you know, you could shoot an AR pretty well, but you hand someone who's, who's trained to shoot an AR really well, hand them a flintlock and they, you know, put the muzzle in the dirt before it goes off. You know? <laughs> not, not everyone, of course, but right. Yeah. There's that, that's, there's that learning curve. I mean, I joke with people that shooting a flintlock is shooting on hard mode. You know, it's, it's about Absolutely. as tough as it gets. <laughs> yep. So what then took you from your, your Lyman Hunter to some of the, the other flintlocks that you, you're, you're shooting more today? I, I, don't, I hesitate to say better, but, you know, some of the longer or, or more historically accurate flintlocks that you, you feature on your channel. I've owned a variety of Petersoli flintlocks. And have had really good luck with them. My favorite one up until I got uh, my Kibler rifles, uh, which I just fawn over all the time. I, <laughs> I, I can't praise them enough. They're just absolutely they work so well. They're so they're just they're just great. Um, but my favorite Petersoli was a Blue Ridge Flintlock, okay, in 50 caliber. Yeah. And and I had that for several years, and it wor it worked really well. Um, I had a buddy of mine put a, a touch hole liner in it. Uh, I think they call it a white lightning. I think a white yeah. lightning liner. Yep. And it worked really really well. Um, I didn't have any issues with it at all. I, I still own some Petersoli flintlocks. Uh, I still have a brown best and a couple pistols. Um, but you know, I, I wanted to get something a little bit higher quality, and, and I really don't have any anything against Petersoli. I've owned a lot of Petersolis and generally they really work swell. Uh, but it wasn't until I finally bought that Kibler Southern mountain rifle, which is probably my, my favorite. Um, when, you know, really it was like, this is, this is really what flintlocks are about, you know? Yeah. It's kind of a, a next stage really for you. Yeah. Progressing on your, your muzzleloading journey here, as I call it, what took you from, enjoying muzzleloaders to creating the everything black powder YouTube channel? Well, I, I don't want to say it was almost an accident, but it was almost an accident. I, I guess <laughs> it was, uh, I think I put my first video up in, in January of 21. And so, you know, the world is still mostly shut down from COVID and all of that nonsense. Yeah. And I could not get any more black powder. I had burned through all of my GoX and there was no more black powder to be had. <sighs> Every, everything and everybody was sold out. And, you know, I wasn't about to start using Pyrodex again. again. In my <laughs> you weren't going back. I'm not going back. <laughs> and so... I just, you know, started making my own powder. Okay. And I, I don't, I don't know if I'm the first person on YouTube to, to do that. I, I'm probably one of the first, but when I started looking into what it takes to, to make sporting grade black powder, because there are some videos of some, some guys doing uh, pyrotechnic powder, which yeah. is very different. Chemically it's not, but as far as the quality, it's vastly different. Okay. Um, but there wasn't any videos of anybody using it in muzzle loaders. And so I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to start doing this and maybe I'll try it on YouTube. And so I kind of tested the waters with some other stuff. The first few videos I put up, they, they were, uh, they were, well, I don't remember if they were entirely all black powder related, but 
I mentioned in a couple of my early videos that, you know, this is X amount of grains of, of homemade black powder. And yeah, my brother and I make this. And I had a whole bunch of comments from people saying, Hey man, you know, how do you, how do you do that and have it work well? Like, you know, can you show us how to do that? Yeah. And so I, I put together a video on making black powder for firearms and it just kind of took off. I, I wasn't expecting it to, I, but it sure did. And you know, I just kind of rolled with it and, you know, pretty soon it's like, Hey, you know, I, I can, you know, film myself, you know, doing stuff and, and shooting and put it on there. People seem to like it. Like that's, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. And so, so that was kind of that. Wow. That's so cool. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your, your YouTube here now and yeah, it, it's like your, your eighth, your seventh or eighth video here is is how to make black powder and the, the thumbnail is just is wonderful it, it looks like you igniting a big thing of powder on an old stump or an old bucket or something and yeah that's that's it so the reception for that was just so positive that you just continued kind of playing with it and just having fun with it yeah and you know i i think it just uh there there was a need for that i and people just seemed to like it and go for it you know yeah. so i uh I just kept developing how I make it, you know, and how, you know, and, and have just documented all of the stuff that we've done, you know, because I, I was making my own powder before I started YouTube. Yeah. Because out of necessity. Right. That was um, my next question is, is how long had you, had you been playing with powder before then? Well, when we started running low in, uh, in 2020, in early 2020, you know, when the world was all shut down, we started running low and we were like, Hey, you know, what, what are we going to do about this? And, mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, well, you know, the, the, the pioneers were, could make it. I mean, I'm we got electricity. I'm pretty sure we could do the same. <laughs> right. You know, and yeah. it's, how, how hard could it be? And so, you know, but, but I, I've documented just about everything that we've done as far as the research and development of making sporting grade black powder all the way up until, you know, quite recently. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't make, you know, and I, I tell people this often because I get comments on that video all the time. They say, hey, you know, hey, well, what about this? And what about that? And I say, hey, look, I don't I don't make powder like that anymore. Mm. You know, well, yeah. well, what do you do different? Well, nowadays we make powder that is comparable or even better than the stuff you can buy if you can buy it. Right. Yeah. So. That's awesome. I love that it came out of necessity. And then, you know, you just kind of applied it. You, you gave it to the internet and the internet fell in love with it. That's just yeah, so cool. Yeah, and it just, just ran with it. <laughs> That's awesome. So how did, how does, you know, has the YouTube channel changed, uh, you know, how you enjoy muzzleloading? Has it applied, you know, un like pressure to it or is it, is muzzleloading still pretty much the same? I ask because in so many of your videos, you have kind of your your shooting crew, it sounds like, behind the camera. And I just love that aspect of your videos, how laid back everybody is. So I just I had to ask. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think it makes it more entertaining, or at least it, it's entertaining for us. Maybe everybody else thinks it's lame, but we think it's entertaining. <laughs> but... Um, no, we, we, we have a great time doing it. Uh, you know, I have, nobody else really wants to be in front of the camera. I'm the only one that, you know, says, well, okay, I'll do it. Right. You know, my, my brother and our two buddies that we, we, we run everything with, you know, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want to do that, you know? Oh, well, okay. I'll, I'll do it. You know, which, you know, you're kind of the face of the, of the channel and everything. And 
you just kind of have to take the good with the bad, I guess. And, 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 you know, I, I do complain a little bit sometimes, you know, I get some angry comment and everybody does. I think it's inevitable, but overall it's 99% positive and people like it and it's very well received. Yeah. And it just, it just makes it even more fun for us. Right. I think at times it can, you know, feel a little bit frustrating, you know, when you get those comments here and there, but you know, to me, it goes back to you shooting the cap and ball revolvers when other people were shooting the ten twenty twos. like you don't mind kind of working through that and, and trying to figure yeah, well, that stuff out. You, you, I think you got to be up for a challenge if you're going to do that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> you're, you know, if you're going to, if your, if your mug is on the interweb, you know, trust me, there's somebody that's going to be mad about something. You know? <laughs> Welcome to another quick ad break here. I want to thank the folks that make this program possible. Uh, first up, Thor Bullets has renewed their sponsorship for the Isle of Muzzleloading podcast here as we start getting more and more episodes out. If you haven't tried the Thor Bullets, I, I really encourage you to try them if you're interested in hunting with a modern projectile in your inline muzzleloader. Uh, a lot of people out there hunting with the inlines, and, and there's a lot of different bullet options out there. Um, but I've played a lot with the Thor Bullets now for a few years, and it's it's really interesting to see how they perform uh, and compared to some of the other bullets that are on the market. Uh, some I like about the Thor bullet is that it's sized to your specific bore. So if you're interested in trying out these bullets, you need to order their really cheap uh, sizing pack so that you can check each of the sized bullets to your bore to find the right one for you. After you've checked the four or five different sized bullets that they send you in that sizing pack, then you can order the specific size that your barrel wants. So you know that you're getting a full bore riding bullet for the most accurate possible, in, in my opinion, and I think uh, you know maybe some engineers out there could explain it better, but you're getting a really accurate option out of your inline muzzleloader. And so, and I mentioned a modern inline muzzleloader because these bullets are designed specifically to work in a faster twist muzzleloader. Um, I've been asked a little bit about testing these in a 1 in 48 twist kind of Hawking style traditional muzzleloader. I just haven't gotten it done yet. Um, but if you have something that's shooting a 1 in 28 or a 1 in 22 inch uh, twist for your barrel, um, the Thor bullets are, I think, a viable option for you. And I'd just like to thank them again. Uh, thank Thor Bullets here for renewing their sponsorship of the I Love Muzzling podcast. So what, I guess it's it's not something that we've, I, I have in the questions list here, but what have, what have you learned as far as making your own powder and then sharing that with people? You know, do you see yourself as a bit of an educator now or are you still of the mindset, you know, you're just sharing what you're doing and, and. Are you, are you trying to answer people's questions or are you just kind of leaving it up to the videos and, and applying, you know, trying to answer questions in videos? Uh, I, I make a point of answering any real question that I get. Okay. And I, it, it does take a fair amount of time. And especially, you know, the last couple months, it's gotten to the point where I just, just about can't get them all. Right. But, you know, if, if anybody asks me a, a real question about something, I do my absolute best to answer it to the best of my ability. Um, as far as educating people, yeah, I, I, I suppose I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm an educator. Um, you know, I have read uh, quite recently a couple books about making black powder uh, because a lot of the information that I was getting when I started this whole thing a few years ago was uh, pyrotechnic grade black powder. Okay. And 
The difference between pyrotechnic grade quality and sporting grade quality is big. Now, in that original video of mine, uh, how to make black powder, that's basically pyrotechnic grade powder. Okay. Uh, we call it screened powder, but it's basically the way black powder was made right up until the late 1700s. The, the black powder that we know and love nowadays that all the commercial brands sell us is pressed or corned black powder. Okay. And right. so when they take their powder that comes out of the mill, it's very light and fluffy like talcum powder. Mm-hmm. And they would compress it in a big press. I use a 20 ton press. And then they break it up into pieces. And that is compressed black powder that you would buy, you know, from GoX or Swiss. But the old screened black powder, which is what pow- black powder going all the way back to the advent of firearms all the way up until the late 1700s, that was screened black powder. Okay. And it takes roughly double the amount in volume to get the same charge as you would with modern day black powder. So it's not as powerful. It takes more, Hmm. but it still works. And, you know, if you're using a muzzle loader, it'll still work fine. But what you would get with a 50 grain charge of Swiss, you'd have to use about a hundred grain charge of this stuff. Okay. Interesting. Now, does it, does it come back or does it come down to the components used or is it just that screening versus pressing? Oh, no, the components are are very crucial. Okay. I have people often, they'll they'll write me a comment saying, hey, you know, I made black powder and I followed your your instructions exactly, and it turned out really lousy. What am I doing wrong? And I'll say, well, you know, what what kind of ingredients did you use? Well, I went to the hardware store and I bought some stump remover. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, what about the, you know, what about the sulfur and the charcoal? Well, I used a, you know, a charcoal briquette, you know, from my barbecue. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, so you can make powder that will ignite and, you know, make smoke and fire with that stuff. But as far as it being any kind of reasonable quality that you can compare to a commercial grade powder, not even close. Okay. So the ingredients, the ingredients are crucial. The high quality ingredients are crucial. Hmm. And so... Do we see those same ingredients coming into use in the late 1700s like you were talking about? Yes. And um, in this particular book that I, I mentioned is written by Brett Gibbons, and he has a uh, he has a YouTube channel called Paper Cartridges. Yes, absolutely. And and I read all three of, of Brett's books and I really enjoyed them. But in the particular one I'm talking about is called Like Fire and Powder. And it's about how the British were making black powder in the 1850s, because in the 1850s in England, that was really the height of development for black powder. Okay. There there was never any powder that was made better or had any more power than the stuff that the Brits were making at that time. And so that's what his book is about. Gotcha. That's awesome. I've got Brett's books. I just, I need to dive into them and, and learn a little bit about this, but I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I haven't taken that step into making my own powder, but I'm, I'm fascinated with the process and, and I've been following along with your journey. So I appreciate you sharing that and, and answering those questions from me. So when we're talking about muzzleloading here, what eras are you, you know, what eras do you enjoy and, and what do you enjoy about them? You know, I enjoy 
the revolutionary period, but being in my particular part of the country, there's not a lot of revolutionary stuff, mm -hmm. you know, in that particular time, you know, the Spanish still controlled all of this stuff. So we don't really have that around here. So as much as I enjoy it and I, I like watching videos and reading about it and stuff, I really don't get to, I really don't get to experience like a lot of a lot that, like a lot of folks back East do. Right. You're a little far from kind of the historic sites and things. Right. Yeah. But everything from everything from the mid 1700s all the way up until the old west, all the way up until the you know late 1800s. Right. Which, you know, is, is big around here. Yeah. You know, we got a lot of Wild West stuff going on. Right. Because your channel, you even go into, you know, some of those, as I see them, sinful breech loaders. Right. Yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about the, the black powder and, uh, kind of the research and things that went into that, but what kind of research goes into to making some of your other videos that you produce? Well, as much as I enjoy the history videos that a lot of other channels do, I mm -hmm. try to stay away from that. I, I don't feel like I do it well. I, I've tried doing it and I don't feel like I do it well enough. So I try to stay away from that stuff. So yeah. mostly what I try to stick to is the research and development of whatever powder I'm dealing with or load that I'm trying it in. I do I, some uh, unorthodox things like, you know, see if black powder will work in a nine millimeter, you know, and function <laughs> in an auto loading pistol, right? you know, or a 1911 and stuff. So it's like, you know, the only thing you can really do with that is, Give it a try. Right. You know? <laughs> Just, if anything's <laughs> going to happen, it's going to happen out there. Yeah. Um, so, so as far as, uh, you know, any any kind of research I do, I, I, I do check books and, you know, Mike Bellevue videos to make sure that I've, I have dates and years right, you know, because I don't want to, you know, put something out there and then, you know, a, a day or two later say, hey, uh, you know, this is supposed to be that. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know? Yeah, that's always the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of the videos where you're you're doing some of these trick shots and and some of the long range shots, you know, just just off the top of your head, how many shots go into making that shot, or are you are you just that good that you're knocking those trick shots off? Well, okay, here's here's the deal, and you don't have to believe me, but in every one of the videos where I'm doing the trick shots where with the mirror, where I'm shooting backwards. Yeah. Those all happened on the first try. I believe you. I fully believe now, you. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> now I think I did one where I had to, I was splitting the ball backwards with the mirror, shooting the ax and splitting the ball. And I think I had, I had to do that one twice. Okay. But you know, we've split the card, you know, you shoot the card in half and all that stuff. Yep. But uh, you know, I, I think I did that with my, with my rifle. I, I think I did a video on that. Yeah, but yeah. So, so sometimes those I, it takes me more than more than one shot. But the, the the two videos of me doing the backwards trick with the mirror, both of those happened on the first the first try. I love that so much. Which <laughs> you can kind of tell by the uh, the reaction from everybody in the background. Exactly. Yeah, when it yeah. happens on the first try, everyone's excited. But you know, when you split the ball backward and everybody goes, Oh yeah, nice shot. You know it didn't happen on the first try. You, know? <laughs> you just tell from the enthusiasm. Right. The, the levels aren't there after the mm -hmm. <laughs> the fifth or sixth. Right. <laughs> so you mentioned that there's not a lot of the you know Rev War era stuff out where you're at. Do you or or have you attended any local 
you know, muzzleloading clubs or rendezvous or are you just oh, not oh, near yeah. any? Okay. Oh yeah, we do, we do rendezvous. Yeah. Yeah. All of us do the rendezvous and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we, we do historical reenacting and stuff like that. And I, I, when I do go to the rendezvous, I do wear my, uh, uh core discovery, you know, okay. kind of deal. So I yeah. do have a cocked hat and stuff, which nobody else does, but it's like, I, I really long for that kind of stuff and we just don't have it around here so that's that's what i go with right right i i just asked because some of the trick shots that you you've featured uh i've seen and, and heard about a lot in the rendezvous circuit where some of those mm -hmm. ideas and things came from so i'm happy to hear that you have some some clubs and things out there where you're at oh yeah when you're out shooting is is that just you and your buddies or is that is that part of a local club that's just us oh, that's awesome Yep, that's uh, that's just private property, and that's the pasture we get to go shoot at. So, man, that's great. I wish everybody had that, <laughs> you know. Boy, I I do too, man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what kind of tips would you have, you know, for somebody that's new to muzzleloading? Maybe they found your channel or um, or haven't jumped into it yet. What would you say to somebody looking to start out? Just get after it, and don't let anyone discourage you. Hmm. You know, I, uh, I, I've, I've seen this a lot of times where, you know, someone will want to get into it or they'll buy, they'll buy a, a budget gun, like a traditions or something. And, you know, they'll just get hammered by a bunch of people saying, you know, Oh, you just wasted your money. You know, you need to buy one of these, or, you know, if you don't spend X amount of money on this, you know, you're just throwing your money away. And, and I, I, man, I really hate to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it, this really isn't something that you need to spend five grand on to be able to go out and do. So my advice would be just do what you can, buy what you can afford and just get after it. Hmm. I think that's some solid advice, you know, even down to, you know, doing what you can to, to get your propellant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we always make fun of Pyrodex, you know, and all that because we can afford to, I guess. But, you know, hey, look, I started out with Pyrodex and I still know a lot of people that use Pyrodex because that's all they can use. That's all they can get. Well, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. I would rather see someone shoot with Pyrodex than not shoot at all. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, I, I've made jokes about it in the past as well. And, you know, it's I don't mean to to be down on it. You know, if that's the kind of thing that you have and that's what keeps you shooting, then by all means, please do it. Yeah, go <laughs> what, for what's it. important is that you're burning it and you it bet. works for you. Absolutely. So out where you're at, do you do a lot of hunting? I, I know your your like profile picture is is you with a coyote. Was that a was that a fun story to share or, or is that just kind of a typical hunt for you? Well, I, it was pretty typical, except I was using my uh, my Southern Mountain rifle, so I was proud as a whitewashed pig to to get him with that rifle. Because I've 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 shot more dogs with my odd three Springfield than than I can count. But you know, <laughs> I, I got that rifle, and you know, man, I, we're, we're gonna go, we're gonna hunt squirrels, we're gonna hunt coyotes, man. We, we have a lot of coyotes, and we're always always dealing with that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so. So I, I, I prefer to hunt with a, a flint locker or something like that. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like modern guns too, you know, don't, yeah. don't get oh, me yeah. wrong, but you know, again, it's always more of a challenge if you're using a flint lock. Right. <laughs> Hard mode. Yep. 
Well, apart from the the Brett Gibbons books, you know, are there some other resources or, or books that you'd you'd recommend for people? How well it depends on what you're doing. Um, uh, I did buy a book for my Snyder. I was really struggling. I, I know it's a I know it's a breech loader, but it still shoots a black powder cartridge. So maybe you'll we'll let it we'll let slack. it slide this time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't I won't get out the ruler this time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So anytime, if I, if I have a firearm that I'm struggling with or, or something, you know, I'll, I'll typically buy a book on it, you know, that's, uh, not critically acclaimed, but, uh, something that's, uh, that somebody told me about like, Hey, you know, you should check out, you know, this book, but you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, the, the YouTube community, if you can call it that, you know, there's, there's a lot of great information and there's so many channels of guys that know way more about this stuff than me. And I mm -hmm. just asked them like, Hey, look, you know, I, I got this Snyder. I'm, I'm struggling with it, you know? And they said, Hey, you know, buy this book, historical shooting with the Snyder Enfield rifle by Hugh Knight. Just buy that book. Yeah. Okay. You know, I buy it and I read it and, you know, deal with whatever it is I got to deal with. And I shot it last weekend and Hey, guess what? It worked great. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that the internet is kind of, uh, I think it's found its place among the the resources you know it hasn't totally destroyed books which is good <laughs> yeah yeah definitely well man the, the last question i've got for you is is where can people find your videos you know if, if they haven't heard of you yet which i'm sure many listeners have but <laughs> well i'm on youtube and rumble a little bit but mm. um but I don't put all of my videos on rumble, even though everybody tells me I should, but I'm definitely on YouTube at least until they kick me off. So. Right. Have you, have you had any issues with that with, with the videos that you make? Well, you know, I, I had a, I had a rough go at it at first. Uh, when I finally got to however many, uh, subscribers you have to get to be monetized. Mm -hmm. I, um, I applied for all the stuff and I filled out all the stuff on, on the deal and they call it the YouTube partner program. I think is what they call it. And I sent it in, you know, hit, hit, hit send. And they wrote me back in pretty short order. And they said, Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, we looked over your stuff and uh, your channel doesn't qualify for monetization. And so that, you know, took the wind out of my sails pretty quick. Right. And, you know, for a few weeks, you know, I don't know, yeah, you know, lousy YouTube, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody said, well, you know, did you appeal it? I said, appeal it? And they said, yeah, you can appeal it. And I said, well, no, where, where's that? And where, so I, where's the appeal you know, button? Right. Yeah. I opened up my email and sure enough, there at the very bottom, it's like, you know, if you'd like to appeal it, click here. I'm like, well, geez. And so I appealed <laughs> it. And a few days later, they're like, oh yeah, we looked it over and we're going to monetize your channel. Like, oh, well, thanks. Jeez! <laughs> oh, so, so I I missed out on a few weeks worth of you know however much money they yeah, were a couple nickels. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, some some people, uh, you know, they they seem to think like, oh, you're on you're on YouTube and you have a video, you know, that has you know a half a million views. Well, you must be rich. Uh, well, I'm sorry, it doesn't pay that good. Right. Know? I'm not about to quit my day job or anything. Yeah, because I and I like to ask you know if other people who make YouTube videos, you don't do that full time. Right. Me? No. <laughs> right? no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just for the record, I don't as I don't either. <laughs> you know, 
it'd, it'd be great if I could, you know, live off of shooting and having fun. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, boy, there. that 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 would be great, man. Yeah. If they, I just get paid to do shooting videos, holy cow, that would be awesome. Right? But, yeah, I'm 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 a ways away from that. <laughs> Pigs would fly too, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, shoot! I really appreciate it, man. This is been a lot of fun do you have anything i don't want to keep you you know for too long but you know if there's anything else that you want to talk about you know this time is yours well tell me man uh what uh what is uh what's your beef against uh cartridges they're just sinful man nothing goes <laughs> in in my rear or my gun's rear is how i put it so, oh, oh wow okay that's a good way of putting it so it's a religious conviction then, it huh? is yeah okay that All way right, the state enough. can't make me do anything about it oh fair enough fair no enough, no yeah. i mean i i'm a i'm into modern guns too you know i don't just shoot muzzleloaders um, I just think it's kind of funny to draw the line in the sand <laughs> okay. and it, it's funny to me how how serious some people take it sometimes <laughs> you know I make a joke about you know carrying a, a flintlock pistol as my carry gun you know and I I don't actually carry a flintlock pistol everywhere you know I carry a modern gun <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I think someday yeah. you know I I've, I've got some like uh, my father and uh, and mother played the cartridge game you know shot a lot of cartridge matches so I've I've got the setup for that stuff and I think at some point I'll dip into it you know to, to kind of get back into that but you know for right now muzzle loading's a big enough world for me <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I, I, I run into the same thing. You know, people think like, you know, oh, well, you know, you, you must be a FUD because, you, you know, you, you only deal with black powder stuff. And it's like, well, no, I don't only deal with black powder stuff. That's just what my YouTube channel is about. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I, I you know, I, I don't really carry my, you know, 1861 Navy, you know, to town with me, you know, <laughs> as cool as that would be. I don't, right. I don't really do that, you know? Yeah. Sure. When I'm out, you know, when I'm up on the ranch or out on the mountain or whatever, sure. But, you know, I, I don't carry that to town. Right. That's not your that's not your business piece, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. It would make a dandy have a headline, though. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, shoot. Well, dude, I, I'm I just want to say how much of a of a fan I am of, of what you're doing. And and I know it's a vanity number, really, but seeing so many people enjoy your videos, you know, breaking breaking 50,000. And now I can see 60,000 subscribers, dude. That's it's just incredible. And I just yeah, I wanted to you. tell you, you know, not necessarily in person, but I guess voice to voice here that that's awesome. And congratulations and, and keep up the great work, dude. I Yeah, thank you. Even out I, here um, when I when I'm at a match or at a at a show or something, your channel comes up a lot. People really enjoy it. Oh, good. I'm I'm glad to hear it. Well, you're how how close to friendship are you out there? I'm about four hours drive uh, from ah, it. Okay. So I'm not too far, but I'm I'm far enough that I I'm not down there all the time. Yeah. Well, I, I, thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I I send people your way all the time. I mention you all the time. You know, it, it's like yeah. You know, look, I I I focus on the firearm aspect really. You know, but if you really want to talk to somebody that really lives and breathes it, you need to go see Ethan. No, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. This podcast is brought to you by Muzzleloader Magazine, the publication for traditional black powder shooters. 
Since 1974, Muzzleloader has been the leading magazine devoted to traditional black powder hunting and shooting. Each issue is jam-packed with articles on hunting, shooting, gunsmithing, do-it-yourself projects, living history, American history, book and product reviews, and much, much more. Muzzleloader Magazine is the best traditional muzzleloading magazine, bar none. I'd like to thank Jason at Muzzleloader Magazine for his continued support of I Love Muzzleloading and the I Love Muzzleloading podcast. I'd like to thank Jake again for taking time out of his evening and away from his family here to talk with me a little bit about, bit about muzzleloading. I've been following Jake, and I think we've been connected on Instagram now for, for quite a while, probably since, since he got on Instagram. Uh, and it's just been incredible to watch his channel grow as much as it has here. And I, I, I fully expect it to continue to grow. Um, he's provided some great knowledge uh, and some great, I think, perspective on muzzleloading that, that some of us here on the Eastern side of the States just don't, don't get a whole lot of. I, I love catching up uh, with Jake's videos and, and learning along with him as he continues his muzzleloading journey. Um, in particular, his, his making of, of homemade black powder, I know it's been an issue and it's been discussed quite a bit here in recent years, as we heard Jake talk about. Uh, and it's, it's, I've been asked over and over again to, to, to go through the process of trying to make some uh, here at home and, and show it on my channel. But it's, it's really Jake's really done a great job at it. And, you know, I think there's no, there's no point in me trying to double up on that, of sharing that information. I always try to point people and I always try to point people to Jake's channel if they're interested in that kind of thing. As always, you know, you want to be safe. Jake talks about safety a ton in his videos, which I appreciate. Um, and it's been interesting to see him kind of work through some of these kinks. Even if you're not interested in making your own black powder, Jake has a ton of great muzzleloading shooting videos and a ton of black powder cartridges and things, even though we don't talk about those sinful breech loaders here a whole lot on I Love Muzzleloading. Um, it is a lot of fun to see Jake go through this stuff. His trick shots are great. You know, not trying to butter him up here, but it's just really a lot of fun. Thank you, Jake, again for coming on to the program. Fall is right around the corner here at I Love Muzzleloading. The trees are starting to turn here in the Midwest. So uh, we have quite a bit stacked up here for the next two months uh, of neat muzzleloading stuff to bring you. We've got some, some muzzleloading news. We've got some museum exhibits to share with you. We've got some projects and some events coming up. Um, it's really going to be a pretty stacked end of 2023 here going into 2024. We've talked about it before, but we've got the Invest Arms Plane Pistol Kit coming up. We're going to get that done in just a couple days of shop time. We've got a Kibler Woods Runner now to finish up for a dear friend. And we've got a Jim Chambers New England Fowler kit on the way, which I'm really excited to get ready for turkey season next year. On top of some of these projects, we've also been testing some muzzleloading hunting projectiles, some modern muzzleloading bullets, and then as well, we have some traditional muzzleloading projectile um, accuracy and penetration tests, and we've got some new stuff coming on that. So if you're coming to the program interested in uh, expanding your hunting seasons or learning a little bit more about your muzzleloader going into the muzzleloader hunting seasons this fall, be sure to check some of that stuff out. Um, I try to do that uh, to be a resource and try to answer some of the questions that I receive about this stuff. So a lot of this, really 95% of the channel and, and the stuff that we produce here at I Love Muzzleloading is based on your questions. Uh, so if you have some questions, you have something you'd like me to cover, shoot me an email at ilovemuzzleloading at gmail.com. 
I will add it to the list. I will say the list is growing kind of exponentially at this point. We have a lot of things to cover here, but I'm excited uh, to start ticking down that list here um, and continue answering some of your questions. I have a lot of fun doing it, and it seems like many of you have a lot of fun uh, watching me try to do it as well. As always, if there's somebody that you'd like me to talk to on the podcast, uh, in addition to uh, you know questions that you'd like answered on video, you can shoot me an email, ilovemuslooting at gmail.com. We have a few stacked up here going into the fall, and I'm going to try to keep our momentum going here on the podcast uh, so that many of you like me can listen I don't listen to my own podcast, but listen to the podcast on your way to work or on your way home from work to try to make those commutes a little bit better. Uh, once again, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.